Hello again, it's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of the History Comics Podcast, this time the first part of the history of quality comics. One of the things that makes DC Comics uh, and its history so complicated is the fact that unlike other companies like Marvel Comics, essentially which consists of homegrown creations, DC is an amalgam of companies it has acquired over the years. From Fawcett to Charlton, it is, it is how DC expanded from Superman to Batman to also include Shazam, The Question, and so forth. One company in particular was Quality Comics, a golden age publisher that truly lived up to its name, providing innovative comics, including the Breakthrough the Spirit newspaper insert. And in addition, some classic creations from Plastic Man to the Black Ox also emerged, leaving a legacy that is still felt to this day. Quality was founded by Everett Busy Arnold, who was born on May 20th, 1899 in Providence, Rhode Island, a direct descendant of the infamous U.S. trader Benedict Arnold. By most accounts, the Arnold family was reasonably well off, with Busy's grandfather the owner of a local textile mill, while his father was the chairman of the math department at Brown University. Reportedly, the origins of the name Busy came from his fidgety disposition, which his own teachers called him a busybody. He would carry this nickname on from his childhood for the rest of his life. Sadly, Busy's father passed away from influenza in 1919, while Busy would later graduate from Brown University in 1921 with a degree in economics. Years later, he would receive the Brown Alumni Association's Brown Bear for service to his Alamara. After graduating, Busy would leave Providence to move to New York City. It was there he met his wife, Clara, whom he married in 1923. Arnold's first job was the, at the R. Ho and Company, a printing press manufacturers, where he worked from 1920 to 1922. In late 1922, uh, Busy and his family moved so he could work at the Goss uh, Printing Press Company in Chicago, where he received the title of Eastern Sales Representative in charge of New York offices, working there for 12 years. Later, he and his family would move to the old Greenwich, Connecticut, after his son Richard was born, while Busy commuted to work in New York City. By the 1930s, Arnold was selling color printing presses to Eastern Color and the McClure Syndicate, who would be early pioneers in the comic book industry. Eastern Color would be the future publisher of the first American comic book, Famous Funnies, on, November, on number one, on May of 1934. By 1933, Busy Arnold was made vice president of the Greater Buffalo Press, where he would stay until 1937, and among the many projects he oversaw was the company's printing of the large color comic sections for newspapers. It was during this time, in 1936, that Arnold worked on the Comics Magazine, which used contents from National uh, Allied Inventory of its submissions. Among those was Dr. Mystic, the occult detective by the future Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. While the magazine never turned into a huge hit, its publisher was eventually morphed into Centaur Publications, this would inspire Busy's next venture as he went into business for himself. Inspired by the growing success of the comics medium, Busy Arnold set on his own with the formation of the Comics Favorites Incorporated in 1937. Arnold created the company by partnering with the McClure Syndicate, Frank J. Markey Syndicate, and the Register and Tribune Syndicate with the intention of using their comics magazines to republish tried-and-true comic strips over untested original material. This would be printed by the Greater Buffalo Press with the feature Funnies, a 64-page comic with the legendary cartoonist Rube Goldberg helping with the first few issues, with his popular sideshow strip, while Ed Cronin, Ham Fisher's assistant, the legendary creator of Joe Palooka, provided early covers. Cronin would also serve as an editor. 
In addition, many strips were recycled by the McClure Syndicate from their previous use in famous fundings such as Joe Palooka, Dixie Dugan, and the Bungle family. The Register and Tribune provided the strips like Jan Arden and Lena Pry and Ned Brandt. Arnold would lease office space in Manhattan at 369 Lexington Avenue, hiring two agents to sell ad space in the comics, while Dan Goldstein was hired as a circulation manager, a position he held to the company's end before later moving on to independent news. Eventually, like the last of the emerging comic publishers of the Golden Age, Arnold would move towards original material that was created by the comic shops, studios that provided original features to be published in comics magazines that had begun to spring up with the explosion of the comic medium. Some notable ones at the time were Harry A. Chesler's studio and Eisner and Iger, the, the latter co-founded by legendary comic book artist Will Eisner. While these studios would provide many of quality comics classic characters and stories, Busy Arnold also relied on in-house talent. A notable one was George Brenner, who helped quality make comic book history with the creation of The Clock, who would make his first appearance in Funny Pages number 6 and Funny Picture Stories number 1 before making his official quality comics debut in Feature Funnies number 3 on December of 1937. The character is significant for being the first mass superhero created exclusively for comic books. The Clock's costume was essentially a masked man in a tuxedo, similar to pulp heroes of the time like the Shadow and the Spider, with the alter ego being a Brian O'Brien, a wealthy member of high society. He was noted for his use of gadgets, such as his cane-shooting darts or a diamond studs blowing uh, tear gas. Plus, he had a classic catchphrase, the clock has struck, setting a template for future mass superheroes. In that same issue, feature funding started to provide independent features over reprints of comic strips, such as Hawks of the Sea, a pirate feature by Will Eisner, which would begin a fruitful partnership between Arnold and Eisner and his studio Eisner and Iger. Eisner and Iger was formed by Will Eisner and Jerry Iger as a comic shop, producing features like Hawks of the Sea to be published in comic books. Eisner was the, more the artist while Iger does the salesman. They quickly developed a professional relationship with Busy Arnold and Quality Comics, but since Iger and Arnold didn't get along, it was Eisner who usually worked with them the most. While Arnold technically had editorial duties, he mostly left Eisner in his studio to develop the comics and features, preferring to work the business side. Despite being hands-off for the most part, Arnold took great pride in the, the talent he employed, which included future legends like Eisner, Lou Fine, and Reed Crandall, and the overall quality of his comics, thus the name Quality Comics. Arnold promoted creativity among his artists, and when things began to boom for the company, was exceedingly generous with his employees. However, Arnold was noted for refusing to return original art to its creators, a practice that has, long, has been a long argument between the publishers and the artist. In 1938, Gil Fox joined Quality Comics and would later replace Ed Cronin as the editor-in-chief for a rate of $75 a week. Fox first started out working at the famed Max Fleischer Animation Studios, but left due to a labor unrest. This led to him entering the comic book industry, working for publishers like DC before finally coming to quality. There, Fox submitted samples to Cronin about possibly working at the company, while Cronin offered him an opportunity to create a comic or cartoon strip, the result being Wun Chu, about a Chinese detective that was often drawn by Jack Cole. Fox would later become Cronin's assistant editor and even moved to Stanford, Connecticut, when quality moved his offices there. Soon he was doing comic book covers, with his first solo being Feature Funnies number 54 on March of 1942, which featured Doll Man. Cronin would also teach Fox how to recut strips and resize them for reprints in comic books, while Fox also would do fill-in work as a writer and artist. By mid-1939, Busy Arnold felt successful enough to expand to a second title, Smash Comics, 
with its first issue cover dated on August of 1939, with strips from Feature Funnies comics moved to it. It was in Smash Comics that features like Boy and the Iron Man and the Invincible Hood were introduced, while Lou Fine would later help improve the established characters like Uncle Sam and the Black Condor. With this expansion, two legends in quality comics and comics in general were added, the previously mentioned Lou Fine and Paul Gustafson. Lou Fine began work at Fiction House and Fox Feature Syndicate, where he drew the cover for the Blue Beetle No. 1 in 1939, before coming to quality comics. There, Fine would uh, pick up after Will Eisner on Doll Man, a common practice by Eisner, who was known for dreaming up ideas and starting the comic book features before handing them off to others to, to work on. With Doll Man, Eisner credited himself with the rough design of the character, while, while Fine would later refine him. Of note, Dollman is considered Quality's first superpowered hero, where he is Daryl Dan, a Richards chemist who d- used a shrinking powder to reduce his size and fight criminals, and notably predated other shrinking heroes like the Atom and Ant-Man by decades. The character made his first appearance in Feature Comics number 27 on December of 1939, where he would stay for nine years. Dollman would also get his own comic, Dollman Quarterly, which ran from 1941 to 1953. The character would also have a spin-off character, Doll Girl, whose alter ego, Martha Roberts, first appeared in Feature Comics number 27 as the daughter of Professor Roberts, who tutored Daryl Dan. Martha later became his assistant, helping him develop his shrinky powder while creating clothes for his reduced size. However, he soon developed shrinky, she soon developed shrinking powders herself in Doll Man number 7, December of 1951. She would be the last original character created under Quality Comics. Carl Gustafsson would also be a prolific creator, having previously worked for Harry A. Chesler and Funnies Incorporated, providing work for Marvel, DC, and Quality Comics. When he came to Quality in 1942, he worked on such notable features like The Human Bomb, The Jester, and Alias The Scorpion. Gustafsson soon became exclusive in-house artist with the company. Finally, Gustafsson were just two more examples of Busy Arnold's ability to judge talent while never created talent himself. That is not to say that Arnold didn't have a hand in quality control, often chastising studios like Eisner and Iger for delivering poor work, as evidenced in his letters to them. Other notable creators who would find their work at quality were Tony Bloom, one of the first female comic book writers that Eisner described as the den mother at Eisner and Iger Studios, and Bill Finger, the legendary co-creator of Batman with Bob Kane. With the growing success of Quality Comics, the number of comic books under the publisher would eventually expand to include Feature, Smash, Crack, Hit, National, Military, and Police, which of course led to the more talented creators coming to the company along with their future brilliant creations. Of note, Busy Arnold would be one of the infamous publishers who turned down Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster's submission of a new superhero. For Busy Arnold, his excuse was he preferred work from proven creators over newer talent. Like everyone else who directed him in hindsight, it would be a decision Arnold would forever regret as their story was Superman, who would later become the defining character of the Golden Age of comic books, if not comic books in general. It was during this time that Busy Arnold and Quality Comics would be sued over the use of the term funnies on the titles of their comic books like Feature Funnies by Eastern Color, the original popular fam- famous funnies, who claimed that they owned the trademark. While Honor would ultimately prevail in the court proving that Funnies was not a trademark, it did result in the comics being dis- emphasizing the term Funnies on the covers and eventually changing it to comics, thus feature f- uh, Funnies now was becoming feature comics and so forth. 
Eventually, Arnold bought out his partners, McNaught and Markley, in moving Quality's offices to 369 Lexington on April of 1939. The company would later move to Garley Baisley at 322 Main Street in Stratford, Connecticut. It was also around this time that Arnold, with his own partner, the Registered Tribune, would launch one of the most ambi- ambitious ventures to date that would change the chief of comic books by returning to their source, newspapers. This came about when Henry P. Martin, the Registered Tribune Syndicate's sales manager, came up with the idea for a comic book to be inserted into newspapers and presented it to the busy Arnold. Arnold decided to team with Will Eisner to craft his new 16-page comics insert for newspapers who was feeling the pinch of losing comic strip readers to comic books. This worked despite the friction Arnold and Eisner had working together, as Arnold considered Eisner an employee while Eisner thought Arnold was his partner in the venture. It was in this venture that the spirit was created as the main eight-page feature, while also including backup features Mr. Mystic and Lady Luck. To get into this, Eisner sold his stake of Eisner and Iger's studios to his partner Jerry Iger for $20,000 so he could dedicate full-time to the spirit. The main feature of this newspaper section was a seven-page The Spirit feature, formerly Denny Colt, after believing he was killed, decides to fight crime with the spirit, sporting a blue suit, fedora, and domino mask, while working with Police Commissioner Dolan, going up against villains like Dr. Cobra and the Octopus. Created by Will Eisner, it would be one of the most innovative comics ever published, allowing Eisner to truly stretch his storytelling abilities, along with adding another quality notch in quality comics. The Spirit would not be the only star of this feature, as a four-page uh, backup feature, Lady Luck, Quality's first female superhero, also appeared here, created by Will Eisner, who wrote the feature under Ford Davis and artist Chuck Magellan on June 2, 1940. A female detective who dressed in a green dress, hat, and veil in place of a mask, her alter ego was Brenda Banks, a wealthy socialite who rejected her boring lifestyle to fight crime. Lady Luck would later be reprinted in Smash Comics. The final feature in the spirit sectional was Mr. Mystic, created by Will Eisner and Bob Powell, who was a former American diplomat kin who receives mystic powers from the seven llamas in Tibet, such as the ability to change into animals along with his size. Returning to America, he chose to use them to fight crime. With, this, with these three features, though others like Wendy the Waitress would be rotated in, the spirit section will be one of Quality's most successful ventures, reaching up to 5 million readers thanks to his place in newspapers. The success of the spirit insert didn't take away from Quality's regular comic books, as a number of brilliant creations were about to appear that would have legacies long after Quality Comics ended. The Black Condor would make his first appearance in Crack Comics, number 1, on May of 1940, created by Will Eisner and Lou Fine, as a superhero with the power to fly. Uncle Sam was also created by Will Eisner and Lou Fine in National Comics, number 1, in July of 1940. A mystical being who was originally an American patriot who died during the Revolutionary War and now appears in his country when it, when they, when it needs them. The character would later come to D.C. in 1973 in Justice League of America, number 107 to 108. The Ray first appeared in Smash Comics number 14, September 1940, created by Will Eisner and Lou Fine, a light-based character who received his powers after a balloon accident. That same month, the first appearance of the Quality Comics logo appeared on the cover of Crack Comics number 5 on September of 1940, leading everyone to refer to the company as Quality Comics, though that was never its official name. Officially, the comic was called the Comics Funnies Incorporated and later Comics Magazine Incorporated. Another character was Quicksilver, who made his first appearance in National Comics No. 5 in November of 1940, created by Jack Cole and uh, Chuck Magellan, becoming one of the earliest speedsters in comic books. He would later be renamed to Max Mercury when he moved to DC Comics, but more on that later. 
Blackhawk was created by Will Eisner, Bob Powell, and Chuck Cordera, first appearing in Military Comics No. 1 of August 1940. Both Cordera and Eisner would claim sole credit for their creation, leading to the the decades-long dispute between the creators. Led by the mysterious Black Hawk, the group was a collection of World War II-era pirates from different countries, mostly those conquered by Nazi Germany and Communist Russia. And, and they were often depicted fighting the Nazis, though they also took on more fantastical villains like King Condor and Killer Shark, along with uh, some science fiction machines like the War Wheel. At its height, Black Hawk sold as well as Superman and Batman, along with getting a film serial, radio, and numerous uh, other adaptions. When incorporated into DC Comics, the Blackhawks are now depicted as a high-tech military group and have been adapted into numerous other properties, such as the animated Justice League The New Frontier and Justice League Unlimited. Quality Comics was able to continue its line of thanks to several talented artists like George Brennan, Nick Carty, and Jack Cole, continuing busy using Arnold's ability to attract top talent. Meanwhile, the Spirit insert was such a success that Busy Arnold ordered ripoffs made of it, such as Jack Cole's Midnight and Fred Goodgardner's uh, Mouthpiece, all of who, like the Spirit, wore domino masks while solving crime. Arnold also brought over Blue Fine from the Spirit with the offer of a higher page rate, angering Will Eisner, who refused to let go of another artist, Bob Powell. This personally angered Powell, who accused Eisner of trying to ruin his career. He would eventually leave Eisner's uh, studio anyway, though continued to work for him, producing Miss, Mr. Mystic for the Spirit insert. Meanwhile, Busy Arnold continued to recruit talented artists like Reed Crandall, who Arnold personally liked his art and wanted more, and would later become the premier artist on Blackhawk. Another notable artist that Arnold recruited was the above-mentioned Jack Cole, creator of one of the quality comics' most popular characters, Plastic Man. Jack Cole was a self-taught artist hailing from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, who eventually found work at the Harry A. Chester studio. He soon became known for his work on Liv Gleason's Silver Street Comics and later created Midnight, his first costume superhero at Quality uh, Comics Request. Granted, this was a mandated ripoff of The Spirit by Billy Arnold. To Cole's credit, he did approach Eisner about this, expressing concerns about being such a blatant ripoff. Eisner assured him ripoffs were coming at the time. He would experience his own when he did a ripoff of uh, Superman for one Fox Syndicate with the infamous Wonder Man comic. Eisner did encourage him to make the character funny, thus being original from the spirit. Midnight would debut in Smash Comics number 18, January of 1941, portrayed by Dave Clark, the radio announcer and actor, who after learning a building collapse due to criminal negligence, takes up the guise of Midnight, a character played on, he plays on the radio. In keeping with Eisner's advice to keep the feature humorous, Midnight would, off, would eventually pick up sidekicks like Doc Wacky, a former criminal mad scientist, and a talking monkey, Gabby, along with going after the, literally going to hell at one point to deliberately fight the devil himself. Midnight would represent a breakthrough for Cole as it demonstrated a more animated style over his colleagues like uh, Will Eisner or Lou Fine, along with his comedic sensibilities. This would serve Cole well later with his most popular creation, Plastic Man. Jack Cole's Plastic Man would debut in Police Comics No. 1 of August of 1941, depicted as a petty crook Patrick Ed O'Brien, who, after a failed robbery at the Crawford Chemical Factory, is shot and doused with an unknown chemical that grants him stretching abilities. Fleeing the police, O'Brien hides at a monastery where the monks encourage him to reform from his criminal ways. With his new abilities, he decides to become Plastic Man and fight on the side of the law in order while maintaining contacts in the criminal world to gather information. He would eventually acquire a new sidekick and woozy winks, and would become so successful as a crime fighter he joined the police force and later the FBI. 
The character is arguably Quality's most popular comic book creation, which continued when he was integrated into DC Comics, later becoming a member of the Justice League of America. Plastic Man has been adapted into numerous other mediums as well, notably the Plastic Man Comedy and Adventure Show by Ruby Spirit Studio that ran from 1979 to 1981 for five seasons and 112 episodes. A less popular but still notable superhero that first appeared in Police Comics No. 1 was The Human Bomb, created by Paul Gustafsson. The character was originally Roy Lincoln, a scientist working with his father on an explosive chemical 2-7-QRX, when the Nazis invade their lab, killing his father and forcing Lincoln to ingest the chemical to ensure it doesn't fall into Nazi hands. As a result, Lincoln develops the ability to make anything explode by touching it, thus having to wear an asbestos containment suit, later retconned to fiber wax when the real-life health effects of asbestos was discovered, thus allowing him to control his powers. Most of his adventures depict him fighting the Nazis and Japanese Empire during World War II, and he eventually gained stronger control of his powers, though he still have to wear gloves. The feature would continue until Police Comics number 58 of September 1946. The character would later be incorporated into the Freedom Fighters as part of DC Comics and has remained a recurring character ever since, even being adapted as a character for the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. Miss America was created by Elmer Wexler, first appearing in Military Comics number 1 of August 1941, as Joanne Dale, a courageous reporter who has a dream of the Statue of Liberty who gives her power to transmute elements, only to wake with those exact powers, deciding to use them to fight evil. She will have a brief run in Military Comics number 7 before fading into obscurity. When incorporated into DC, she will become a World War II character who will place Wonder Woman in the timeline as a member of the Justice Society of America. Of note, Joanne Dale would appear in the animated Reign of Superman voiced by Jennifer Hale, where she is now the President of the United States. The Phantom Lady appeared in Police Comics No. 1 at the same time, first as Sandra Knight, the debutante daughter of Senator Henry Knight, who wore a risque outfit consisting of a green cape and a one-piece yellow swimsuit, reportedly to distract the male criminals, while also using a blacklight device to blind, the, to blind them. The character would bounce from other publishers with a notable run at the Fox Feature Syndicate where famed good girl artist Matt Baker depicted her in an even skimpier outfit. In fact, the cover of The Phantom Lady No. 17 on April 1948 by Baker depicting said outfit would be one of the comics scrutinized by the Senate Subcommittee of Juvenile Delinquency and Frederick Wolverine's book The Seduction of the Innocent, leading to the massive backlash in comic books in the 1950s. This character has also been incorporated into DC, but most notably is the inspiration for the Silk Spectre character in the classic Watchmen miniseries. And we will leave here for now, but uh, as we, you can see, Quality Comics has already started making numerous classic characters that we know today, and will continue to do so as the company would blaze a trail even as it will eventually end. swinging, burrito-eating, well, you know the rest, of Thunder Talk, Sexy, Thor. it's the Ring of Thunder, found in the Thunderverse, and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. Now it is uh, August 17th, 2023, time of the favorite comic of the week. 
Barnstormers number two by Scott Snyder and uh, Tulalote, which uh, continues this story of the 1920s uh, where uh, Barnstormer Bix is flying around the country with his uh, new girlfriend and runaway bride, uh, Tilly, only for her jilted fiance hot on her heels with a Pinkerton detective. This is a great little crime caper that has a great 1920s feel to it. And some, and some of these twists come pretty fast and loose. It's essentially this comic box thing is pretty much two issues in one because it was originally released on Substack. But it's a great read in general. Scott Snyder brings a great, has a great 1920s feel to the uh, writing and the art by Tool. is especially great. It has a nice realistic feel to it. And some, uh, yeah, some pretty crazy twists happen at the end. So you find Bix and Tilly uh, even in a worse situation when they started out. Even though you're kind of rooting for that couple. But all in all, yeah, just a great read. One of the more original ones in the stands right now. And also, I didn't mean to throw this out there. I did see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem uh, a few weeks back, and I very much enjoyed it. I'm not sure it's my favorite Turtles film. I think the original by uh, back uh, back in the day uh, by the Jim Henson Company is still one of my favorites. It had that dark edge to it. It's really more in line with the original comic book. But this was a lot of fun. If you especially like the old cartoons and also even the uh, Archie comics that was produced that was more cartoony in flavor with all the weird different characters. Love the animation style. Though I wish it was a little tighter. But I don't know. Yeah. Great watch if you're a Turtles fan. Uh, one of the better ones that come out. And hopefully uh, the, the success will have to see more of this. But uh, with that, uh, that is... Uh, the first part of this History of Quality Comics. Join me again next week for the second part of the uh, story. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself. A good comic book.